Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Waxonomy Podcast. I am your host, Jeremy Altman, and once again, I am joined by basically my co-host at this point, Dylan Sen. Dylan, how are you? I'll stop going on this podcast when they tear it out of my cold, dead hands. <laughs> no, no, this is good. This is good. I, I think uh, I think we got something going on here. Um, but anyway, um, so today we have you here because um, we decided to do another little um, music exercise where we talk about our favorite opening and closing tracks to our favorite albums. So I, I really enjoy doing this. Uh, but Dylan, why, why don't you go ahead and kind of give us your, your thinking uh, for creating your lists? Um, so, so I had a couple of, so this was actually kind of a tough list for me to make because I, a bunch of caveats on myself. Um, so, so one was, I didn't, I, I, if I could avoid listing the same artist twice, I did, uh, with a couple of exceptions. I think really Wait, hold on. You, you just kind of like jumped out for a second. Oh, uh, is this better? Yeah, you're good. Yeah, okay. So, so uh, I, you know, I, uh, I, I sort of had a, you know, I, I imposed a couple of caveats on myself when I created this list just so it would be a little bit more uh, varied and, and showcase a little bit more <laughs> of like, musical depth on my end just in terms of my own tastes not just like oh every led zeppelin out you know opener and closer or whatever <laughs> yeah i think we um, have a little bit of bias sometimes yeah and so so um so yeah i i wanted it to be so so my my criteria were um you know i didn't want to pick from the same artists to you know really if i if i could avoid it but more importantly with an opener i think that and a good opening be a kind of like an overture in classical music where it sort of acquaints you with the the lyrical and musical themes of what the rest of the album is going to touch upon um you know whether that's in an explosive way or whether that's in this you know a um I think it should be a good uh, sample platter of what's what's to come on that album. Um, yeah, absolutely. And so I tend towards the the those explosive openings. I, I really like when albums like just grab your attention from from the get go. Um, not to say that you know mellower albums can't do that. I actually have a couple of those, but I think that. You know, if if the list, if I personally am not super super drawn in and intrigued by the opening song, it's kind of tougher for me to make my way through the rest of the album. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, yeah. How about you? So uh, I had a pretty fun time actually making this list uh, because it really had me kind of dig deep uh, into basically all the albums that I've listened to. Um, and we, you know, we, we shortened it to 10 and basically 
my thinking was kind of the same. So I wanted to avoid having uh, matching bands because I feel like there are certain bands that, um, and I, I've noticed for me, based on the, the songs that I picked, I noticed that a lot of the songs from, you know, like the classic rock era and the progressive rock era, there were a lot of concept albums. Mm-hmm. So uh, one of my, you know, one of my criteria for um, choosing what I thought was, you know, a great opening track was, does it kind of warm me up to the rest of the album? So I, you know, there've been plenty of albums where it's just a fantastic grouping of tracks, but I wouldn't say that they're, you know, interconnected thematically or, or, you know, the opening was, um, like a forecast for, for what was going to, you know, what was to come. So basically I chose these songs based on, was it, you know, some of them I thought were kind of like dipping your toes into the rest of the album. And some of them were, you know, overtly, uh, you know, thematically connected to the rest of them or, uh, just, you know, downright emotionally satis- uh, satisfactory. Um, so, you know, it was a little hard because I definitely wanted to choose multiple songs from the same artist, but I avoided doing that, and this is what, this is what I have. Um, now, we, what we also did was album closers. Did, did you touch upon that, or did you just really talk about the opening? Oh no! I just talked about the opening. All right. So, uh, just for the the second half of the episode is going to be us talking about our top ten favorite closing tracks to albums, and you know, just for on my end, I kind of had the same way of thinking for choosing the the closing track because there's a lot of albums that, um, you know, if if they did have a revolving theme, then the song was a fantastic way to, you know, it, it wrap things together. And a lot of the songs that I chose did kind of tie everything back from the, you know, the opening track, which, which is kind of difficult. I, I saw that, um, there were a lot more tracks that I thought were good openers, but I had a thinner list for, uh, album closers. I, I, I think that some of the albums that I've listened to over the years have had songs, that just fizzle out in the back half. I don't know, but that's kind of what I, that's kind of my thinking for this. Mm-hmm. What about you? Uh, yeah. So, so I think that, uh, for, for closers, um, you know, in a, in a both, you know, in a sort of similar way, I think that closers to an album should, uh, should you know, it, it can do one of two sort of opposite things, which is, you know, it, it can either tie up the concept of the album or the theme of the album and, and, and finish it and basically, you know, be the opposite bookend of that album, oh. of that story. Wait, and Dylan, just kind of Dylan, wrap it hold up on a second. Of, um, st- wait, sorry. You, 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 uh, like went out again on the audio. Oh, are, are you doing it? Are you on your phone or your computer? I'm on my phone this time. Oh, that all right. Was well, better last time. I'm sorry. Uh, oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Could, could you just re- repeat? You want me to try some, um, cause I'm on my, I'm on my data, so it shouldn't be the connection. 
Like, I have four bars. Do you, did you want to call back? Uh, no, no, no. Oh, um, let me, let me try this. Is this better? I mean, the, the video quality was fine. It's just that every now and then, like, a word will, will get dropped. Right. Um... Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's honestly not a big deal. I, I th- okay. yeah, 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 sorry. I just wanted to make sure you're on your phone. Cause I, I know your phone was, was better than your computer. Yeah. 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 Um, well, I mean, let me know. And, and if there's, you know, if, if I can like hold the phone differently. Or okay. <laughs> I mean, um, all right. Sorry. Anyway, back, back to what you were saying. Yeah. So, um, so basically I think that an album should be able to, either you know be the con- like the solid conclusion to the theme of the album and be the you know what ties the bow on the on the concept of it or the or the theme um or it should be i think uh i think if it it should also it could also be something that leaves you really wanting more and wondering well where are they going to take this next Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So, to me, that's sort of what I, um, and, and and again, that can be done through a, a lot of different ways dynamically, like in terms of dynamics. You know, again, you could have like a raucous, you know, sort of fanfare, like crescendo of a of a closing piece, or you could have some kind of like referendum on it, or some kind of. Uh, you know, whatever, like, like reflection of it, you know, it could just be, you know, Tom York sitting at a piano and, and reflecting on it, something like that. Yeah. But I think that, yeah. And I, I think that that could, that's, that's how I sort of, um, and I, and I have some, you know, like uh, hopefully my rationale for what I've chosen, um, can, can maybe explain that a little bit in, in more detail, but that's generally the idea I had when, um, when I made this list. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, why don't we go ahead and, uh, rip through this list? Uh, so I actually, I actually ranked mine. I don't know if you ranked yours. Uh, but if you want to start with, with your first pick or whatever you thought was your, your bottom pick, the floor is yours. So I actually didn't rank mine because frankly, this was hard enough, but it's in some (laughs) particular order. Um, but uh, the first one I have on my list is Battery by Metallica. Hell yeah. Um, I think that is a fucking, like, I mean, that, like, the way that that opens up Battle the Lord. album. Yeah, like, with that, like, with the acoustic guitar in the beginning, just sort of like, it's like this sort of insidious sound, and then they just build up this whole, you know, sort of, towering instrumental just layer after layer just exploding through and then it just down 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 and like you know like that is you know that's a genre defining and it's beautiful and that album is in the fucking library of congress now like is it actually yeah wow (laughs) and uh, you know that it, it you know people in the metal community give Metallica a hard time uh, for how, like, big they are and whatever, or, or the Black Album or whatever, but God damn it, if Master of Puppets 
as an album is not some of the finest metal playing of all time. Oh, I mean, extremely tasty. (laughs) And Battery, I think, was the perfect song to, to, again, rope you in. Because it's just like, it's kind of like, like that acoustic guitar feels like these, like, snakes kind of forming around you and then this Ooh, whole yeah. tower sort of appears you know with the 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 thunderous drums and the distorted guitar and, and, and i think that was yeah that was you know 15 year old dylan listening to master puppets for the first time definitely that's a that's a real eyebrow raiser damn man yeah that that's a fantastic choice it, it's a it's a wonderful album um it's freaking kick ass, and you know that that song in particular is particularly unforgiving. So <laughs> even right. more than the Unforgiven. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very funny. Um, so for for my number ten, uh, I know we talked about this band before, but I would be remiss if I didn't at least include one song. Uh, one of my so my number ten seed for. Favorite opening tracks for an album is two plus two equals five by Radiohead, uh, which is on the Hail to the Thief album, which if you guys remember, I didn't rank very high on my list uh, in regards to the overall album. But goddamn, this is one uh, interesting way to open up an album because it it, it starts off with, uh, I I believe, Johnny Greenwood uh, plugging hit plugging in his guitar to his amp and like you, you hear everything, all the static and the electricity, uh, you know, whirring up and then you hear some mumbling in the background and you, you know, you have kind of like a, uh, softer, fast paced, uh, like guitar jam in the beginning. And then it, it slowly becomes more haunting and speeds up. And then you have like the explosive intro. And I think it's just a perfect way to, uh, introduce that album. Uh, even though I didn't think there was too much going on thematically or at least in a consistent theme throughout the album, but I, I think it definitely matched the mood of the album. It kind of goes all over the place. Nice. I, yeah, we, we touched upon this before the, the episode and I think that, um, you know, personally I have, um, I, I actually, do, I, I actually don't have any, Radiohead on here, unfortunately. Even though I almost put "Burn the Witch" and I almost put uh, everything in its right place, but I think Radiohead is really good at uh, at opening an album. Yeah, for uh, sure. Especially um, uh, and, and closing for sure. But but yeah, two plus two equals five. Solid choice. Hell yeah, hell yeah. I mean, obviously, it's not the it's not the only one, as you said. There's plenty right, of fantastic right. ones. All right, Dylan, what's your next pick? So the next one I have down, and again, these aren't really in a a ranking. It's just, but I I guess you could make the argument that like the ones that popped into my mind more quickly were maybe stand out a little bit more in my head. Um, But number two, I had, I put down uh, Dark Fantasy. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. (laughs) And I think this, this song does pretty much everything you want it to like every every criteria i mentioned before about what an opening song should have this i mean i think this 
is, you know, it gets into like a fucking A plus across the board on every single one of those because, you know, sonically, musically, it has the same, you know, that lush production, the claps, the piano, all that. And then the, the lyrical themes of it are his disillusionment and his frustration and all that, all stuff that you hear like echoed through the rest of the album. And I think it's, it's the perfect overture to that album. Oh yeah, absolutely. I almost picked that one too, actually, but I, I, I didn't think I had enough to talk about other than it being a, a fantastic track that kind of, you know, introduces things. And also, I mean, what a, it's just such a catchy, tasty beat on that. Like you just feel cool. Yeah. It just, it makes me want to drive into like sunset Boulevard with the windows open, just like, yeah. like nodding my head. And then also the way that it builds up in that first part of it, like, can we get much higher with the, like the choir and everything? It's just like, yeah. this, again, it's this sort of fanfare, like, like, you know, you expect to hear it. Like it's, it's like they're introducing a King or something. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, and then it just drops into that beat. So good. For sure. For sure. All right. Shall I go? Go for it. All right. So for my number nine pick, I chose Gimme Shelter by the Rolling Stones, which opens up their seminal work, Let It Bleed. Uh, Martin Scorsese's favorite song. Yeah, it is. It, <laughs> I think it's a little overused in, in some movies, but, uh, you know, it doesn't go without saying that Rolling Stones are, you know, one hell of a rock band. Uh, and I think Gimme Shelter was such a fun opening track to this album because it has kind of that, um, like that misty, Mm -hmm. uh, windy beginning with the, you know, the distant guitar. And then they have like the, I forget what it is, but it has like that. It's like where you like the washboard kind of thing where it's like, yeah, the fish scales. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. That exactly. Um, I think it's just so enchanting and obviously it gets, you know, much more uh groovy and and hard it's 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 definitely um it, it's a great build-up and it's one hell of a way to dip your toes into an album i i think it, it welcomes the listener pretty well and what a what a performance from the in the bridge like from the that woman oh singing. yeah she hits like her voice breaks but she still when it breaks she hits a note like yeah yeah yeah, exactly in that high off it's so it's so cool that that's oh man it's a fantastic one for sure um but yeah i mean it does like you can really you can see almost in your mind's eye like mick jagger doing his like classic like like kind of like you know dipping his shoulder and singing like his like (laughs) like his his stage moves and stuff i just i just pictured it in my head just now (laughs) <laughs> all right <laughs> it's just a kiss away it's just a kiss away and um it's i mean yeah that's a that's a rock and roll song you know like it's yeah in, in all you know essence of the term <laughs> all right yeah, it's good. <laughs> um yeah i i love it i love it all right Dylan. Uh, no have you ever heard david bowie's impression of mick jagger no. Oh my god, um, I have to look this up now. 
it, it's really good. He's like, uh, and he, uh, he's, he talks about going to a show and seeing Rolling Stones in like 1962 and some, you know, some old guy in the front row is like, get a cut. And, <laughs> and he's like, oh, and then Mick Jagger goes, what a look like you. <laughs> like it's a, good old. <laughs> <laughs> like his impression of Mick Jagger is very, very funny. Um, oh God. Mark, Mark Marin uh, does a bit in, in one of his specials where he talks about going to a Rolling Stones concert when, you know, in their older age and he, he impersonates, uh, Mick Jagger, like based on like how he like walked onto the stage and it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> I gotta check that out. It, it's I really think, funny. Rolling Stones are a very Mark Marin band. Oh yeah, absolutely. He's, he's definitely a classic rock has every, a central rock album on vinyl probably. And yeah. he's like, nah, my copy's not that great. But like, <laughs> <laughs> Anywho. All right. Yeah. So, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, yeah. So, um, next on my list is, I don't know if you know this song that well, but it's my propeller by Arctic monkeys. Uh, no, I don't. Which album is that from? So that's from humbug, which is my favorite Arctic monkeys album. Yeah, I think, yeah, you showed it to me. This is the one with, um, no, this isn't the one that's, I'm thinking of Suck It and See, which is the one. Uh, right after that one. Yeah, 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 never mind. Yeah. So so this is this album is was recorded in Joshua Tree and produced fair, uh, famously by Josh Home, homie, homie. Queens of the Stone Age, dude. Queens of the Stone Age guy. And his fingerprints are like all over the, the sound of that album. And I think, you know, it sounds very like Western sort of desert rock, very dry, arid sound to it. And I I think it's a, I just think it's like a really, really, yeah, very solid, thematically succinct beginning to that album. Oh, absolutely. Uh, um, And again, if you, when you put it on from the, it, it starts with this, very explosive and it just kind of like again it just grabs your attention like that yeah no absolutely um so quick question do do you feel like the out the the opening tracks that you chose were for albums that overall meant a lot to you oh that it definitely had something to do with it but there's a couple I have a couple of songs here. I have a couple of them that, honestly, I could give or take the album a mm. little bit. But uh, I think that as an opening track, like it works pretty well. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. All right, what do I have next? Okay, so for my number eight pick, um, mm-hmm. I chose a little ditty by Daft Punk called Give Life Back to Music, which opens... Uh, random access memories. Uh, I don't have too much to say about it really, but other than the fact that it's uh, like just a, a grandiose way to uh, set up an album, it's got the, right. it, it's just like, there's the synth parts of it, but it also, uh, I believe that they actually tried to use, uh, you know, traditional instruments for recording this album. So, you know, they have uh, Nile Rodgers uh, come in. Is it Nile Roger or Nile Rodgers? Uh, I think it's Rodgers. Nile. 
I don't want to get this right. Yeah, it's Rogers. So Nile Rogers uh, from Chic is mm-hmm. is featured in this album, and I I mean you could tell because it's it's very funky, it's very uh, poppy, and this is just a a wonderful way to uh, grab the listener's attention, and it's also a a wonderful way to set the tone for the rest of the album because it has mm-hmm. some technological aspects and futuristic vibes like that. Um, but also keeps a very funky uh, sound that Daft Punk was kind of emulating, but through different uh, media. So I, I like this one quite a bit. Right, right. I, I you know, it's funny. I actually, I, I think I saw you listening to a couple of these songs like on on my Spotify feed earlier. Oh, so it's funny. <laughs> I was like, just I, I, I was making sure that I liked them enough. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's funny because I think I just saw you like doing your research. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's it. We we do a lot of research. Um, we don't just like randomly come up with these lists. We, you know, we listen to this stuff quite a bit. Yeah. All right. What's nice. your next pick? Uh, but yeah, wait. Just a little reflection. I have to get back into that album because I remember I I really do like it and I think it's a great like it's a great sounding album but i haven't listened to it since like high school like when it came out it's like it's like one of those albums that you test headphones to yep yep it's just such a exactly. it's just such a wholesome sound uh yeah. and it's it's you know like i i know you would appreciate it because everything is like meticulously placed and the sounds are lush and and mm-hmm. soothing um if if i could give it a color i'd probably give it like a like a purple or like a mm. like a maroon or something it's it's very warm yeah well uh you know it's funny um i don't know if you know the scottish comedian uh, his name is limmy no um he has like he has like this absolutely absurd sketch comedy show and he's like the most scottish man alive <laughs> um but uh he has this bit on twitter where like, and he's probably tweeted this like a thousand times in the last few years, where like every so often he'll tweet, uh, check out Daft Punk Get Lucky when you get the chance. <laughs> Sound of the summer. <laughs> he'll, just, he'll just tweet that. And every time he does, he'll get like 20,000 likes and like 5,000 retweets. <laughs> and I don't know, it's such a simple bit. But I find it so funny. Like everybody knows that song. It's been out for like seven years. Yeah, it's like, wow, guys, check out Purple Rain. <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's the sound of the summer. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I try uh, to retweet that every time I see it. That's great. Wait, uh, what's what's his name? I have to write this down. Limmy, L I M M Y. Is he like the cousin of of Lemmy from Motorhead? Yeah. They look so similar. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, okay. So, sh- shall we move on? Yeah, of course. Cool. So, uh, number four, I had uh, Tangled Up in Blue. Oh, my God. I don't know if that is that on your list. Today? No, no. I almost, I have that on my list, but I crossed it out. Ah, I see. Um, yeah, I. you know, the theme of the, that whole album is lost love and i think that tangled up in blue is like a mini story in of in and of itself of lost love but in such a freaking inventive way like the way he plays with time 
in that in that in like the narrative of that. I yeah. mean, you know, musically it has that same like open E tuning and the you know, I mean, it's not a tremendously uh, you know, musically explorative album, but it sounds like the whole album's gonna sound. And I love the harmonica solo. I love. I mean, there's not one inch of this song that I don't absolutely love, and I think it's a great, it's a great opener. I yeah, I couldn't agree more. I actually. So one of the reasons why I ended up not including that is because I've I've grown to be slightly more partial to the the bootleg album that he released, mm-hmm. the More Blood More Tracks. Mm-hmm. Um I love the the alternative version of that song where it's all acoustic. I yep. I just really yep. enjoy the stripped down version. Um so that's why I ended up not choosing the original cuz I was like I, I don't really think it's fair to uh you know, choose it just because I like another version. But right. I mean, I love, I love the journey that uh, Bob Dylan takes you on through this song because it's it's and really just you could listen to it and, and read the lyrics multiple times and get something new from it. Right, and I think that, um, you know I almost put buckets of like I was, I flirted with the idea of maybe including buckets of rain as the closer, but I've I've actually always thought that. If you see her say hello, should have been the or would have made a better. Oh man, closer. Yeah. That would have been perfect. Yeah, but oh well, you know, yeah. my man's got his his reasons. Yeah. Who are we? Who are we to to question? Yeah, no, he, Bob Dylan. everything was put there because he wanted it to. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll make one quick comment before I, I move on, but I, I I'm assuming you didn't put Bob Dylan in any of the closers, right? No. Okay. So I was like 70% sure you were going to put Desolation Row. Oh, yeah. I, I actually forgot that that was the ending song on that album. Yeah, I was I was looking through Bob Dylan, and I was like, I feel like Dylan's going to choose that one. Because <laughs> it's, it's a fantastic ride. Uh, but anywho, let's see here. So for my number seven pick... I chose a song that I think I've shown you and you were worried about me. Uh, it's called Screenshot by Swans. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, yeah. Net-nay! 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 Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, hey, no fear. Um, so it's, uh, so this is like a very, you know, post-industrial noise rock album. So it, it comes off of the album... Uh, 2014's To Be Kind. And it's hard to miss because it's just a painting of a baby crying. So that's, yeah. um, you know, that really, <laughs> that kind of sets the tone. But, so this song opens up with a pretty creepy bass line. Uh, and, it, you know, it starts creeping up on you. And they they add more percussion in the background and, and strings. And uh, then they add some pretty, like, tribal vocals the the whole thing just kind of sounds like like I should be doing some rain dance uh in the middle of the field while tripping on ayahuasca or something like this is such a a wonderful uh multi-layered song that builds up to just like a beautiful explosion of sound uh it's not for everyone. I, I'm going to warn you, if you listen to it, most of you will probably not like it at all. Uh, but I, I really enjoy how this opens up the album because, 
you know, you get through that and there's just another, you know, it's, it's like a, a cathartic exhaustion that you get from listening to this album because it's, there's noises coming from all over the place. It's just this like cacophonous, uh, trip and it's very meditative it's not really a song that you listen to in the car or anything like there's a few songs on here where you're like you could just listen to it by you know walking to work or driving or working out and stuff like that but this is stuff that like you need to just kind of sit down and and be with your thoughts so i i really enjoy this one because it, it puts you in a, a like a pensive mood yeah yeah um I mean, to me, this band, you know those, like, memes of, like, the guy, like, with the sad face, who's bald, yeah, yeah. <laughs> with, like, the sad face, with, like, the hoodie on, with the headphones, you know, like, the the 19-year-old doomer. Yeah, 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 I've, I've seen plenty of those from the, implying yeah, music the is good. Memes. Yeah, exactly. This, to me, sounds like, is, like, a prime material for, like, the memes of, of like the music community. Oh yeah. This is some like incel bait. <laughs> I, when I listened to it, I was just like, I, I felt like it was like watching, like it was like watching a, you know, some bootleg Kubrick, like experimental avant-garde shit that he, even he was like, mm, this one's going to stay in the vault, <laughs> but in a good way. Uh, it, it really, you know, I couldn't grab much good from that, but, <laughs> um, it's not for everyone. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> All right, um, what's, what's your next pick? Yeah. On a softer note, uh, the next song I have here, and this is the only artist that I have twice in, you know, between my openers and closers. Um, but the, the next one I have is, uh, Death with Dignity by Sufian Stevens. Hmm. Uh, so, so it's from his t- uh, 2015, very critically acclaimed release, Carrie and Lowell. And uh, this is an album that, you know, I have a rainy day playlist and I had to fight the temptation not to put every single song from this album in that. <laughs> and it is a very, you know, the whole album is this heartfelt, emotional, I- intensely sad uh album and this song has this beautiful twinkling soft you know just you know whatever like shimmering sound to it where it's just like a guitar some keys and you know his vocals but it you know obviously with some overdubs and everything there but it's just so, it, I mean, it's just so, like, it, it feels like it's just kind of, co- like, soaking and, and enveloping your ears in, in a good way. And Absolutely. It's, I mean, it's a good album if you, if it's, if you've woken up on a Sunday morning and it's pouring rain outside and you don't have much to do, so you just kind of, like, literally just stay in bed until 1130 or, or whatever and you're awake at eight, but you just don't feel like getting out of bed. So, you know, if you want to take a break from scrolling on your phone through Instagram or Twitter or whatever, just put these headphones in, I guarantee you. I mean, you'll probably be depressed for the rest of the day. In a good way. <laughs> yeah, it's like clear my schedule. 
Yeah, exactly. Like with, with Pat Oswalt sitting in his basement. Right, eating right, the, the KFC right. famous yeah. bowls. <laughs> yeah, if this so if this bowl could play Sufi and Stevens carry and low while I'm eating it in a darkened apartment at 4 a.m. Oh God. Oh, Jesus Christ. Alright. Shall I move on? Sure. So number six, I'm quite excited about. And I hope you'll appreciate it too. Uh so this one is another ditty by Black Sabbath. Called Ooh. War Pigs slash nice. Luke's Wall. Um, okay. So, this is one of the first rock albums I've ever heard. Um, I remember, I don't know if you remember this, but in, oh wait, no, you went to a different elementary school. Uh, so, I went to elementary school on the other side of town, but <laughs> every every spring, like, there was a day where you would just spend the day outside. Like, y- like you could bring games and you know like field day no 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 not field day it was like like a picnic day where like you literally could just stay outside oh. the whole day or like the, the second half of the day i might not be remembering it correctly but uh one of the things that i remember vividly was i had a, a cd player i had like this like little cd player that uh but like with speakers so like you could you could play it out not not like the headphone so um I remember, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, so I could, I could edit it once I'm there. But, uh, I remember I was sitting around with, with like Pat Clancy and Matt Seidel, uh, and I think someone else, but we were all sitting around playing different rock albums and, uh, Pat Clancy pulled out the Paranoid album and played it. He's like, guys, you should check this out. This is really good. And the way that this song opens up is just fucking epic. Like it, it, yeah. for me, it puts me in the setting of like walking through like the trenches and there's like fog rolling along the, the ground. And, uh, you see like coffins and stuff like, it's like really dark imagery. Um, and I just, I just love the way that it, you know, it has like that droning guitar and there's like the sirens in the beginning, but then it picks up and you, you hear the, um, like the, the snappy drums and obviously Ozzy Osbourne's vocals just reel you in. You know, Traveling yeah. in the masses. Um, it's just so, it's so epic. But yeah, that's, yeah, that's Pat's all I have to say about taste. that. Yeah, I, I remember like, I, I remember the day that he showed it to me and I was like, yeah, yes, this, I want this. So that was a good day. Yeah, absolutely. And you know what's funny is, um, so I have two thoughts on that. Um, well, I mean, one of the first isn't really a thought. You know, I actually never, heard, I didn't hear that song until I was like 15 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. I just, because, you know what, for so long, my music library was just like whatever we had on iTunes and YouTube. And so that doesn't really like allow too much mobility. Like if I had Spotify when I was, you know, 12 years old, I have such a wider range of taste by now, but I didn't. So whatever. Yeah. You, you wouldn't have been at like my miles Davis at like 14. <laughs> you, right. Exactly. Yeah, like I really like um, in a silent way. It's, it's a more nuanced word. <laughs> uh, I would have liked swans probably. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Fuck you, but man. yeah, no, I, so personally, 
I've always thought that War Pigs, because of its epic nature and because of how good that ending riff is, um, that it would have been an awesome closer for 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 Paranoid. Um, you know, obviously it works and it's really good as an opener, but my personal opinion is that it would have been a good, a good closer instead. Um, but that being said, Black Sabbath does a hell of a good job opening and closing an album. Oh, absolutely. Um, because I almost put Into the Void uh, from oh. Master of Reality. Oh, yeah. Because That's one of my favorite fucking songs of all time. Um, off my favorite, and, and that is my favorite uh, Sabbath album. But, like, the way that their first album opens up with Black Sabbath, that, like, it would literally, like, giving birth to doom metal and metal as a genre. Like, <laughs> down, 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 like, with that tri-town in there. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. They just, they knew how to, like, really grab your attention. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, oh, it's so good. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to have to listen to more Black Sabbath soon. I might have to take a deep oh, dive. I mean, and if you, listen to if you don't know Master of Reality, just give that a listen. I I feel really bad for saying this, but I don't think I've ever actually listened to it. I I listened to Sweet Leaf, but oh yeah, I mean Sweet Leaf's great, but Into the Void. Uh, that I'm I'm literally after this, I'm going to force you to listen to. Into oh, I will. As soon as this is over, <laughs> I'm going to listen to this album. It is, and and when you listen to it, just keep reminding yourself that it's 1971 when they record it and imagine like such a heavy song, you know, coming through like, you know, in the public eye at such, at a time like that. And yeah. Yeah, that absolutely. Early. It's like, I, never mind. I'm gonna, This is, this was going to go on a tangent. So we, we, <laughs> we got to keep this tight. We'll do a Sabbath episode. I'm yeah, sure. Let's do it. Or something. All right. Anyway, your turn. So next on my list, um, is, and, and, you know, I, I almost, I want, I was like, man, should I put this on? It's so predictable as, especially recently, but I got to give it to our boys. I have robot stop. Ooh. Okay. Um, and you know, you, can you make the case that this is an opening song on an infinitely looping album? Who knows? The rules are out the window. All I know is, Hey, the cycle has to start somewhere. Exactly. And it's a fun fucking song. It feels like you're on like a, like one of those carnival rides that kind of tilts you up and down and, and swirls you around. Cause it's just like, it just, just, whoosh, it just opens up into this thing. And the music video for it is so cool. And the, and, I mean, you know, the, the lyrics are just almost like this call to action and it's like, and, and it's, you know, it's just kind of like guiding you through this whole chaotic wave. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, so yeah, robot stop. That's a Not great on one. Infinity opens the door. <laughs> it's it's an epic album, uh, especially the opening track. Yeah. Um, I almost put King Gizzard for one of the openers, but I have one. Uh, spoiler alert! I have one for the closer, so I wanted mm. to be fair. But I think Crumbling Castle on Polygon Wonderland yeah. is another fantastic one. Absolutely. Uh, all right, should I should I move on? Sure. All right. So for my number five pick, I am going to choose a wonderful creation from the Canadian uh, prog rock trio Rush. 
hmm. called Spirit of Ra- the sorry the Spirit of Radio on Permanent Waves. Uh, one one of the th- so I I actually kind of liken this to uh, the song remains the same on Houses of the Holy because mm-hmm. it it kind of has that similar fanfare feel to it. Uh, I think this is one of my favorite. I don't think this is one of my favorite albums by Rush. I think there's some others that explore some really interesting concepts musically, but this one is just a fantastic rock song. It, it, it brings you in. Uh, it's got like that, that really, um, I, I don't really know how to describe it, but that, that opening intro is just, you know, so jumpy and, uh, goes all over the place and then it just keeps adding layers and the, and the percussion is just, um, it's just, it, it takes you through a, a fun little trip and mm-hmm. I don't think there's any other better way to open up a Rush album than with the spirit of radio. Yeah. I don't know that album too well, but I, I do like that song very much. Like it's yeah. just really fun to listen to. Yeah, absolutely. All right. On to cool. you. Um, so the next one, uh, I actually don't know if, if we've talked about him before, but I have Fun Times in Babylon by Father John Misty. Ooh, okay. That's off of, um, which which album is that? It's on Fear Fun, his first album. Oh, okay. Uh, so, for, you know, if, if anybody is not super acquainted, Father John Misty is this you know, singer-songwriter guy. Uh, he was in the band Fleet Foxes, um, but you know has since gone on to do his own thing, um, and and um, basically, uh, you know, it's it's like um, he, you know he does a lot of this like Americana sort of folksy singer songwriter type of stuff, and his first album. So this is his first track on his first album. Um, and and I I really uh, it, it's a very like mellow sort of rumination sort of reflective it's it's almost like he's um, it's almost like he's singing it at dawn right before he starts a really long road trip through America and uh, it's really great his voice is awesome nice I I um, I'm a big fan of uh, Josh Tillman he's very talented for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually didn't realize that he was in Fleet Foxes. That's a fun fact. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure he was. I have to double check. I think he was. Uh, for some reason, my memory is telling me he was the drummer in Fleet Foxes. Sure. Uh, yeah. Well, good for him. I I didn't realize that. Um, those are two, uh, musical artists slash bands that I'm a big fan of. Mm-hmm. Um. So, uh, blah, blah, blah. You distracted me cause I saw the text and I was like, shit. Um, <laughs> uh, that's fine. If, if that's cool. Yeah, 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 dude, of course. Yeah. Um, all right. Shall I move on to mine? Let's do it. All right. So for my number four pick, uh, I'm going to choose a recent album, uh, by Tyler, the creator, Igor, uh, 2019, mm-hmm. uh, the opening track, Igor's theme is one hell of a song. Are you familiar with the album? So I should be more familiar with it. I only listened to it once and then I kind of forgot to follow up on it. <laughs> I'm surprised. I feel, I feel like you would really enjoy this one. Uh, the reason why I enjoy it so much 
is because it, it opens with what I could only describe as a soundtrack to a John Carpenter movie. Uh, it just like, it feels like you're about to watch Halloween. Uh, it's got like this like long drony synth that goes on for quite a bit. And it really just kind of, you know, the, uh, as that's going, there's like a drum beat going and then some vocals and it's just, it, it really, there, there's, I don't think there's anything really substantial lyrically, but just the way that the song sounds like, honestly, almost every time I listen to that song, I end up listening to the rest of the album because it's, it's not too long of an album and it's, uh, it just has a, a wonderful ambient feeling. Uh, and it's quite a, a dip from his, his previous album, Flower Boy, uh, which was kind of controversial, but I really enjoyed uh, the way that this song kind of opened up the rest of the album. Yeah, I gotta check it out again. Yeah, I'm I'm almost positive that when you listen to it, uh, you'll be very satisfied, and you'll be like, "Wow, I I don't think I gave this enough." Or you know, sometimes albums take a, a few chances before they really kick in. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's it, like that happens to me sometimes. Like I'll listen to an album once and then forget about it and then come back to it like six months later. And then that's all I can talk about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that's, that's fair. Um, all right, Dylan, you have the floor once again. Yeah. Next one is from an album. I actually haven't listened to in a long time. Uh, mostly cause it just came to Spotify. Uh, but it's good ass intro by chance. The rapper. Ooh, fun song. Wait, which, and it's a great, what is it from? Acid rap. Was that not on Spotify before? No, it it ju- like it came to Spotify like I think late last year. Before that, it was just like like I torrented it when I was in high oh. school, and because it was like because he didn't have any record deal, so it was just on like SoundCloud, damn, iTunes. So yeah, it's I mean I love that album, and it makes me think of like freshman fall semester because that's all. I would listen to that a lot, and um, yeah, it's great. It's got a great like sort of. It's like a. It's almost like a sitcom theme opening. Oh wow! And, okay. Uh, yeah, I definitely give that a listen. Of course, yeah. I think I'll I'll have to give that one a chance because I I enjoyed the the other one that came out right after that. I, the The name is escaping me, but. Coloring uh, book. Yes. Yes. Uh, awesome. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good pick. Uh, should I go for my number three? Go for it. All right. So my next pick goes towards, okay. So the song is by, uh, Sigaros or Sugaros. I, I don't, I'm really bad at Sugar Ray. (laughs) Oh man. Or like Sigaros. I'm going to go with that one as my final answer Mm -hmm. off of, uh, this is going to be really difficult. Uh, Agatis Birgen. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> whatever. It's their their 1999 release, uh, one of their more well-known albums. So their introductory song, Sveffen Engler, I'm not going to try that again, but <laughs> it's, it's that one. So it's this 10-minute track that opens up a relatively ambient experimental uh hour-long album by this Icelandic band and 
it's it's really uh do you know this album i don't i only know like a, a handful of songs by them this this is one that i think that you will really enjoy with cool. with pretty yeah. strong confidence but uh yeah so this this song uh which i will not attempt to pronounce again uh it it basically feels like like it starts in a way that makes you feel like maybe you're like a fetus in the womb that is about to be birthed. And I know that's a very weird image to describe, but I honestly can't think of any other way to uh, explain what this song feels like. Uh, But it goes into a pretty uh, lush and magnificent song that almost sounds symphonic at times. So I'm a big fan of this one and it kind of matches up with the rest of the album. And I think this is just a wonderful way uh, to just kind of pull the listener in. Cool. Can I check that out? Um, they're, they're an interesting, interesting group. Yeah. It's not really much else to do in Iceland. Yeah. It's, it's a little, <laughs> yeah. So they just kind of take psychedelics and mess around <laughs> with the guitar. So, all right. Up to you. Yeah. So, uh, my penultimate choice is uh, Only Shallow by My Bloody Valentine off of their 1991 release Loveless excellent choice I think it's a it's a really I mean it's like an avalanche of just noise tumbling down on you but that's kind of what their sound is is just this it's like a field of sound waves that you're in um with just layers and layers of guitars on it. And I, th- and with this like wonderful, beautiful, dreamy voice kind of soaring over the top. So, and I think only shallow is a really great introduction to that. I remember you showed me that album when we were driving around one day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I, I definitely know that you've hit like a, a, a shoegaze phase. <laughs> I, you know, I think every music podcast has to have one of those guys. Oh, absolutely. The, the, the guy that likes shoegaze is like a definite. <laughs> now, now to our shoegaze correspondent, Dylan. <laughs> Tom, I'm standing here. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Yo, that, that's a great pick. I really enjoyed that. That's that album quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it definitely gets me in like a weird mood, so I don't listen to it all the time, but it's fantastic like rainy day driving or like weather, or maybe it's like really sunny. I kind of get, you kind of get polar opposites on that. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Did you have anything else to say about your, your number two choice? No, nah, it's just a pretty, pretty standard one. So here for me, I, I guess maybe um, like I inadvertently ranked these kind of in the opposite direction. Oh, oh okay. Descending I just sort of have less to say about some of these last ones. Oh, okay. All right. Never mind. That's fine. Um, still a great pick. All right. So for my number two pick, wait, uh, yeah. So for my number yeah. two pick, uh, I went with a fantastic song by the band. Yes. Called roundabout. Oh, classic. Yeah. I'm, I found that some of these songs that I that I have chosen are from b- 
bands that I were that that I was exposed to in my childhood. I don't really know what that means, but maybe they had a greater impact on me for, you know, learning about what music is out there aside from what you hear on the radio. Uh this song is pretty popular on the radio, but uh you know, you get my point. So this one has a pretty interesting opening where like they kind of play like the harmonic on the guitar where like they, they just kind of brush the strings with their, with their finger barely touching the fretboard. Um, and it's just, I, I don't really know how to, how to describe it, but it's got this wonderful, uh, like dreamy kind of feel to it. And then it goes into the, you know, the rich bass and, and it's like fast paced and the cloud bursting vocals are just, it, uh, I think it was uh, uh, someone, I think it was uh, John Frusciante who was talking about how this album is like one of his favorites because it just kind of makes him feel like he's about to like sit by the campfire and like wrap himself in like a, like a blanket cocoon. And it's, I, I can't think of a better, better way to describe it because it's just, it takes you on, you know, this eight and a half minute journey and you're just you're just rocking and and you feel like you're flying and it's just it's a wonderful opening track and you know the the rest of the album kind of gives the same mood so that's why I feel like it introduces the rest of the album pretty sufficiently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so I I mostly know that song from all the memes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. the the videos right where it's like like something bad's about to happen and they yeah, start playing roundabout. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I still, you know, I feel like I should. I it's long overdue that I give yes the attention I that that they deserve for me. That's another band that I feel like you'll you'll have the same reaction of like, where have you been all my life? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I know that Giz really loves them. Oh yeah, yeah. You were telling me about that. Um, all right, Dylan, what's your last pick? Yeah. So, uh, last pick here is, uh, the boy in the bubble by Paul Simon. Ooh. So I don't know if you know this album. Um, this is actually one of my favorite albums of all time. Uh, the album is Graceland from 1986. Of course I know that album, Dylan. <laughs> and uh, you know, famously, this is an album that Paul Simon worked with these musicians from South Africa um, in a time where you know I actually didn't know this until kind of recently that this album was huge in a very you know racially tense apartheid era South Africa, and and it was huge in sort of breaking down barriers in the country itself between white people and black people. And, and Paul Simon was able to do that and put out like an absolutely iconic album with some of the, you know, best songwriting, uh, that I, that I've ever heard. Um, I think the boy in the bubble, um, has all of those elements, like it's, it's a, you know, politically themed, you know, song about like a terrorist attack. And it's, uh, you know, it's got that South African instrumental vibe to it that from the opening horns on it. 
and and um, you know it's Paul Simon's classic lyricism and, and with catchy hooks and, and all that and you know, I think Paul Simon has earned his place in the lexicon of the great American songwriters. Oh, w- not without just of a doubt. His genera- yeah, not just of his generation, but you know, including all of the you know like Mark Twain and all the, all these poets and writers and stuff like Paul Simon. You know is right up there next to Bob Dylan and, you know, whomever. And, um, and I think that, you know, Graceland, I mean, you know, it's funny, like on, on family guy, they were talking about, yes, I was just going to bring that up. <laughs> what would Simon be without Garfunkel? Wildly successful. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Wildly successful. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, you know, it, 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 obviously Art Garfunkel has his place at, in that, you know, in the cultural, you know, tapestry of that era and stuff and has a beautiful voice. But, you know, somebody with the genius of Paul Simon is, is just an engine unto himself. And and that's reflected in how good his post-Simon Garfunkel work is. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just to kind of bounce off of that, I... I I've grown to really appreciate Paul Simon too. Uh, I was re-listening to America, Simon and Garfunkel, and I just I love the way that it's written. Just because it because it makes you feel like you're, you know, you're on a a journey to like an unspecified and uncertain location, and you just kind of feel that like longing and 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 yearning to feel like you're like. Uh, like you have a foundation, mm-hmm. like it kind of feels like you know you're a lost soul, so that's pretty cool. I saw Paul Simon on his last tour. Oh wow! Uh, which he was dubbing as, which we, he was calling as like I am not performing live after this. Um, and uh, so I saw him at the Prudential Center, and he actually opened with America, uh, just by himself on an acoustic guitar, and it was. Uh, it was a lot. I, I can imagine it must have uh, made you feel some things. That, I mean, that whole con like, I mean, he played, he played everything you wanted to hear. And, and he, he was also releasing a new album. So, I mean, like he's like, the man is in his late seventies. He's still writing, uh, music. Um, <clears throat> and it's good. And so, you know, he was playing some of that too, but you know, he played everything that you wanted to hear. Um, but uh, and and I and I, it just my last thing on that is, he has, you know, I feel like even if I was just reading lyrics, and nobody told me, you know, I couldn't, nobody told me where, you know, who wrote them or whatever. Paul Simon has such a unique voice to his writing that I'd be able to pick out his voice more clearly than probably any other songwriter because of how conversational it is how it's like you know there's a lot of times where he'll go like say i said whatever like it's like you know like, yeah, like yeah, a yeah. narration of a, of a conversation and i remember i was watching an interview with him on the dick cabot show and uh, he, he even just he talks like a poet he, he was talking about you know feeling trapped or stuck <laughs> and he said everywhere i went led me where i didn't want to be so i was stuck i thought that was like like what a beautiful way of talking and thinking. 
that is yeah that that's a very eloquent way of um which which is a thing that I really appreciate how you could still like you could be poetic without being um enigmatic because I, I think I think one of the one of the downfall well not downfalls but one of the things that kind of bothers me about Bob Dylan is like every time I've seen like an interview or a documentary clip where you're listening to him interact with people and it's like not on stage it's just like he's fucking speaking in riddles and I'm like I I'm not smart enough to understand what this guy is saying right now I, I don't yeah. I don't know if you feel that way or if I'm just <laughs> stupid but like there are times where I'm just like what did he just say? But like with Paul Simon, you're like, oh, that's, you know, it's accessible, but eloquent at the same time. Not just that. I mean, even if there are those moments where you're like, where it's like, you're like, what did he say? It's like something that you kind of chew on for a while where you're like, what did he say? Like, what, what did he mean by that? You know? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's very, yeah. I, well, all right. Great. Now, now I'm going to have to start listening to a bunch of other shit that you were mentioning. Cause I was so set yeah. on these songs. And I'm like, great. Now I have, I have a whole to do list of other things I want to listen to. Um, <laughs> so I should definitely listen to Graceland again. Um, but anyway, let's, let's wrap this up so that we could, uh, move on to closers, uh, in the near future. So, uh, okay. My number one pick drum roll, please, uh, is, is another song from some Australian rock gods, Akadaka. Um, okay. Hell's Bells. Interesting. I love this song. This is one of the, you know, I, I know that we've spoken about this before, but, you know, aside from like Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd, ACDC is one of the bands that has introduced me and freaking pulled me in through with a lasso um to loving rock and roll. This song opens up with those deep round echoing bells and all of a sudden you hear that iconic riff from Angus mm-hmm. and it's just like then you you add the the bass and the drums and and Brian Johnson's hemorrhoid and <laughs> <laughs> hemorrhoid inducing vocals and it's just like you feel like I just want to get into a muscle car and like, you know, swing at mailboxes with a, with a bat. <laughs> like it's just freaking electrifying. And you know, the rest of the album is just iconic and it's hard hitting, but I don't think there's a more, uh, intelligently placed opening track than, than with this album. Uh, now I want to say that there are some caveats because there are some songs that I wanted to put as openers, but I also included their closers. So I ended up crossing out kind of doing like an eeny, meeny, miny, mo situation because I think there's a few albums that I think have fantastic opening tracks like Sgt. Pepper's, uh, Dark Side of the Moon. Those are all like fantastic albums but they have great openers and closers so i had to i had to choose wisely i think i just kind of gave away a couple picks but um you know it it was difficult because i i did feel like there were some albums that were fantastic all around both 
in the intro and the conclusion. Um, but yeah, that's 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 my list for the best openers, in my opinion. I think the Hell, Hell's Bells um, album opener choice as a as a as a opener for that album uh, is even cooler. Well, in a macabre sort of way, um, with the fact that it was their sort of return album after Bon Scott died. Yep. Um, kind of like they're back from hell or something. Yeah, these these guys were not people to mess with. <laughs> and I and I thought that um so I, I found this video on Instagram or something of somebody I, so ACDC was actually like really intelligent with how they layered their guitar riffs like they have they had Malcolm and Angus. Yep. Um like writing their parts and stuff so they did that with Hell's Bells and it was uh it was really it was really interesting. Yeah, for sure. I and it it is interesting because well, interesting as well because like if you listen to something like Metallica, like they have like the harmonizing guitars, right? Isn't yeah. that I'm not mistaken. Uh like that that's really great. Like I love the harmonies, but as you were saying, like just the the layer of it too. Like it's just like each each riff or you know, guitar recording is like adding weight to each other. Yep. 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 Like it kind of, like they weave in and out of each other. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one other thing, actually, just just to uh, mention about this album, uh, I didn't realize that this only came out like a year later, after mm-hmm. Bon Scott's passing, um, and I don't really know what that means. Like I, I imagine there's a lot of bands where if a, a member had passed they kind of wait a little bit or they kind of have like a creative funk because they're just throw they're, they're thrown out of sorts. Uh, but this is like, like you said, it's in a way it is kind of like a comeback album. It's pretty, it's pretty intense. Yeah, exactly. It's just, uh, I mean, that that is like a rock and roll album and that's a rock and roll opener. Absolutely. You know, essential dad rock. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, but with that, we will take a short break and then we will move on to our favorite album closers. Yes. All right. See you, see you on the other side. All right. See you soon. Okay. 